According to Barna, 51% of all church-going Americans are unfamiliar with the term, the Great Commission. Let's change the stat. Welcome to GoCast, a podcast designed to inspire and equip pastors and leaders to lead soul-winning churches. We have a mission to go and make disciples. This is GoCast. Hey everyone, welcome to GoCast. I'm your host, Kelly Stickle, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend and co-host, Tim Tribble. How are you doing today, Tim? Doing very well, Kelly. Thank you. Awesome. Well, today's episode is with my friend, Brandon Wall. I've known Brandon for years, uh, I think about 20-some years, I think. Uh, we first met when he and his brothers were touring as um, uh, musicians, had a band uh, called Friday's Cry. And they would actually uh, tour uh, or into our church and come to our church in Canmore. We oh, had a man. Wow. We actually, our church, we owned a coffee house. And so we'd yep. bring in and book uh, all these bands in there. And Friday's Cry was one of our favorites. They would always come in, get some of the you know biggest responses of anybody. So we had them in multiple times. And then just recently, we were at a church conference, and I got the tap on the shoulder. And I turn around, and here's Brandon. And I was like, we hadn't seen each other in probably, I don't know, 10, 10 12 on, years. That's cool. And uh, he's now pastoring a church, which I found fascinating. And so this conversation is is amazing. But you've also kind of juggled the music industry and and church, and and you're now full-time in a church and pastoring yeah. a church. And you you kind of went from music, pursuing that full-time to, to church. Why? What, 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 what is it about the local church that kind of Oh man, I think gotcha. I think growing up it was it was strictly the music alone that, yeah. that got me. And then I was raised in a church, but then, you know, as most people do, fell away in the teen years. And so when I realized that I couldn't figure out life on my own, then got involved in the church and then realized that there is a direct correlation between the gifting that God gives you and how he wants you to use them in your life. So that so your giftings aren't just for you, is that eventually in your life your giftings are putting you to share for other people. So good. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I also, for those of you listening or watching, didn't know this. My background is in the music industry as well, and I toured for a while and, right. and started right out of high school. Yep. Actually, uh, toured, signed under a label, and w- did the Christian music scene for a while. And now I'm pastoring. And the reason why I'm so passionate about the local church, and I'm all for you know different ministries and parachurch ministries and all of that. But I just came to the realization that God's plan A is the local church right. and that the most effective way to win the lost and the most effective way to disciple them is through the local church. We can have lots of effect out there with evangelists and musicians and they can impact and, and see souls saved. But if you want to make a disciple and you want to make a real impact, it is going to be through the local church. So I'm passionate about the local church. Uh, I love this conversation with Pastor Brandon because he's passionate about the local church and he's given up you know, a, a future, a yeah. career, a yeah. lot, a future career in music and all the rest of it to, to sink his teeth into a small community in Duncan, BC and to pastor a local church. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Pastor Brandon Wall. Well, hey, Brandon. So good to see you, my friend. Welcome to GoCast, man. Thanks for coming on the program. That's good. Good to be here. Man, we so I got to tell a little backstory before we get in, into into the interview. Man, I bumped into you at, at a conference about a month ago. We haven't seen each other for like fifteen years or something. It's been it's been a while. I used to tour with your brothers in a band called Fridays Cry, and man, would regularly swing by my first church, which was in in Canmore, Alberta, as part of your tours. You guys came, I don't know, three, four, five times, whatever it was. Man, you guys were so good. 
uh, real good and great songs, really uh, powerful anointing. You guys were uh, had, I mean, we're going places. So tell me, how did you go from the music industry and and touring as a musician to now pastoring? Well, that's a that's a really good question because we're still in sometimes asking ourselves that question. <laughs> yeah, what, we, what did we? What were you thinking? My dad, when are you going to like? Quit your day job and go back to the road. (laughs) But uh, we were always about the local church. And so we, one of the things that we experienced going out on the road was we could, we could see the importance of life giving churches when we toured. Yeah. And uh, I know you used to tour too. So you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Yeah. You were, you know, rocking it out there as well. And so, you know what I mean? When you see those life giving churches that aren't just putting in time, they're not just plugging holes. And, um, we loved working with leaders and pastors who had a passion for the lost. Yeah. And uh, sadly, it wasn't always the case. And uh, we identified a problem of a bit of an inward focus problem. Right. We were inwardly focused um, and decided to be, you know, agents of change, not just critical. Wow. And wow. When, when we would come home off the road, we would serve, whether it was, you know, leading worship, uh, making making sure we were there to cover or having small groups or whatever we were doing when we were home, we were committed to our local church so that we had a local church mindset and you would have picked that up when we toured. We were, yep. well, how can we bless your church tonight yep. um, and, and build on what you're already doing in your community? Yeah, that's so good. So you planted Oasis City, is that right? Well, actually there's a little bit of a backstory to that. Okay. A bit of a relaunch, um, give or take 20 years ago, my dad and my mom were actually pastoring and leading the church. And um, we were very like very uh, involved, and uh, but my my wife and I we lead Oasis City together in the Cowichan Valley. Yeah. So Duncan's actually pretty small; it's like one square kilometer. But the valley itself serves about I don't know sixty to eighty thousand people. Yeah. Like, um, but that's within a half an hour drive, so that's kind of a long reach. Um, for years, Oasis met in a rented facility. Um, we were located outside the city limits, so you needed a GPS to get there. In fact, I think over the years, over about 10 or 15 years, I think we had probably close to a dozen auto write-offs from people crashing their car coming to church. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. It was rough. It was rough. Like, so when people are like, you don't know how hard I've got it, well, I might have a little. <laughs> it's almost like the frontier where we were. Yeah. And God was good. And we, you know. Um, my mom and dad, they, Pastor Jerry, he constantly taught and, and um, created and, and encouraged grit yeah. in the people. But um, yeah, we, we really were on the outskirts. And so we came into the city in 2016. So um, kind of a cool story. Every time we tried to launch uh, to a new location um, out of that spot, we just hit roadblock after roadblock. Right. But in our heart, we were like, we got to move. We got to get somewhere where the people are. Yeah. And um, I actually was also building houses at the time and being bivocational, running a contracting company with my brother um, at this time, by this time. Yeah. Um, and serving in the church. Uh, it, they, we said, why don't we go? The, the board actually said, let's get together. The leaders got together and said, why don't we go ask about this piece of property, whether we can get it rezoned? And um, of course, the municipality said no. Yeah. <laughs> so I followed up, but they knew me and they said, what you need is zone, land that's zoned uh, PI, which is institutional. And they said, and I said, there's nothing for sale. And, he, and after some discussion, they said, what about this one? I said, it's not for sale. And they said, well, maybe you should find out who owns it. Mm. And so we did some research 
And uh, cool thing before this, a guy that speaks into the life of our church. And I mean, how many of us love those as leaders, those guys who come in and those ladies who come in and they speak life to your church way in advance. Yeah. He came in every year and he would coach our leadership and encourage our team where we were struggling away in that location. And he said, uh, uh, you need to put some money aside because something's coming really quick. Yeah. And so we thought we were super rich. We had saved $20,000. <laughs> and and uh, we... So that was the backstory. So I'm out looking at this piece of land and, and I didn't know where to go. So I, I drove to this location um, next to the property, which was an industrial park and the offices were closed. But there's a lady sitting in her car eating a sandwich. She rolls down her window and she says, can I help you? I said, yeah, I wonder who owns the PI land next to this compound. She goes, oh, my husband and I do. Uh, I'm going to go take him his lunch. Do you want to meet him? This is 20 minutes after going to look at this other. Thing. Wow. And, uh, you know, it's like he, he, I go meet him. I said, you know, is that for, and he's already sold. I said, why don't you ask the guy if he's going to follow through with the deal? Cause if not, our church will buy it. And, uh, the next morning I wasn't even out of bed yet. And I got a phone call from this guy saying, uh, you bought it. And uh. so, you know, we went to the church, went to pray and we just went to this guy. We said, we got $20,000. How about you take that as a deposit? And we take six or seven months. If we don't raise 600,000 to buy the land. You keep the deposit. Wow. He went, he went with us on it. And a year later, we had the place. Basically, a year and a bit later, we had it all. So what was the size of the church this when you, when you had to raise $600,000? And when, what was the size of the church then? I'd say between 100 and 140. Wow. Wow. So that's, I mean, that's taken, that takes a lot of faith. All right. So just catch, catch our, catch our guys up on anybody that's, that's not familiar with where you are. You're in, you're in Duncan, uh, British Columbia. So, you know, how, how big is the town? 15 minutes south of the 49th parallel. Okay. Part that's below the 49th, below the American border. Right. Uh, on Vancouver Island. Uh, and there's like maybe 60,000 to 80,000 people that would be able to reach us. Right. With car. Right. So, but the town itself is very small and the community is very small. All right, man. So tell us about Oasis City Church, man. What's, what's it all about? Duncan, BC, man, what's going on? Yeah, well, we used to be just Oasis Church. Yeah. And we were in the we were in the boondocks. We were like, you need a GPS and a four wheel drive to get to us. I think we had somewhere between tw 10 and 12 write offs of cars of people coming to church and having accidents because our road was so rough. And especially in the wintertime when it snowed. Wow. Um, but we were called Oasis Church. Then we became Oasis City Church when we moved into the city. But it's like that whole city on a hill cannot be hidden peace or a city of refuge. Um, Oasis on its own is a place where people come and hang out and just kind of take part. Yeah. The city is vibrant and it's growing and it's innovation. And it's all those things. So we really felt it was time to make a change. And we did that in 2017, 2018. We were, when we went into the build too, we talked about it as a city. We're building a city that God's building, you know? So good. So one of the phrases that we use around here is he built this city, which you'll know the reference. Yeah. Yeah. We marketed around that whole eighties uh, wonder. <laughs> and, um, now it's going to be in my head the rest of the day. Thank you. One of the phrases we're getting ready to come out with as a culture is, um, it might get loud. Yeah, that's what awesome. we're going to be phrasing, framing our whole next thing around. So yeah, but my wife, Lindsay and I together, we lead Oasis City Church. So we do it together um, in the beautiful couch and valley. If anybody wants to come visit, it's like the California of Canada over here. <laughs> and we're just below the 49th parallel, 15 minute drive from there. And uh, it's beautiful. For years, we met in a rented facility. Didn't have our own place. We we're located outside the city limits. I told you that, but my pastor, Jerry and Marcy, my mom and dad pastored before me. Okay. And, um, 
And they really put grit into it. Like you, you're writing cars off going to church. You're creating a real core. Yeah. That core of about a hundred and say 20 to 150 people. We stepped out to build a church that now, um, some weekends has about 500 people, including kids outreach, youth outreach and attendance on Sundays can have over 500 people through the doors. That's awesome. Uh, you know, one of the things that we've done is our desire was to land in the city, get, get where people are. Um, and uh, with a message of hope and healing, which is out there. People use that phrase, but we really believe that there's hope for tomorrow and healing from yesterday. And so good. Especially in a town that has above average mental illness issues. Um, we have a, a, a high um, substance abuse and homelessness issue here, which is also tied to mental health. When you start talking about you want hope and healing from those things, it's pretty powerful. That's awesome. So we want to bring a message of hope. We want our Sunday services to be fun. Yeah, so we do that. It was a place where people of all ages can find it easy to come to know Jesus, really awesome. learn who he is and how much he loves us. And we're not weighed down by all kinds of traditions that don't make sense to our culture. Yeah. Right. So good. That people understand. And uh, we just want to demystify the whole thing. So um, we, we go by this phrase. We want to be a vibrant community of Jesus followers with a message of hope for tomorrow and healing. From yesterday. That's awesome. The city in a nutshell, full of the coolest people you'll ever find in Canada, other than maybe at Victory. <laughs> That's so good, man. So good. That's good. All right. So obviously, with Friday's Cry, you had touched on this a little bit. You guys, were, you were part of a, a parrot church ministry, you know, traveling around, supporting the local church. But you and you guys were very effective in reaching people then. But tell me about your passion now to see, you know, and to park yourself in a local church and to reach people for Jesus from the from the local church. I mean, talk to me about about yeah, the, your passion for the local church in duncan to reach the lost in your city totally there's there's no there's nothing more beautiful mm. than a health church on planet earth there's when a church is healthy and thriving it's just beautiful um and there's no better way to reach people um than through life-giving healthy churches yeah um when we toured we would play concerts with friday's cry and people would often ask us like how many people did you lead to the lord on the tour last year or last month or and we would always respond with none uh. It would like be, what do you mean? I said, no, listen, the kid in high school that brought their friend or the youth pastor that convinced kids to come out to an event, um, they did the leading. You know, we got to close the deal and lead in a prayer of commitment. Yeah. But all the leading came through the people who brought their friends or who reached out to the kids in their group or or would come to an event, bring a, bring a neighbor. Um, so with church, like, our whole our whole model of outreach is about we use this word kind of a law as discipleship but if people aren't familiar it's kind of like we're followers of jesus becoming like jesus right right and um, and so one of our big things that we um kind of like frame our whole church world with right now is helping people to become contagious followers of jesus that's it yeah and because i think a lot of times we would see that in our concerts people would raise their hand or they would you know have a moment yeah but if they didn't plant in a life-giving church, yeah, was just a blip on the radar for them. And eventually somebody would have to come along and make sense of that for them and help them to find the next step. That's so good. I, I love that. I mean, it's it's it really is all about uh, discipleship. I mean, Jesus said to go into all the world and make disciples. He didn't say go into all the world and make converts. And I, I love your heart in, in that. And, and really, I do believe that the local church is 
is the the machine that was designed by Jesus himself to to do just that. So uh, we we actually Kelly, we recently changed our language around conversion or salvation. Yeah. And language is a big part of what we'll talk about on our end today answering some of your Yeah, yeah. But we've changed it from more like uh to be more indicative of the great commission. Yeah. Instead of saying inviting people to become Christians or inviting them to ask Jesus into their hearts. I mean, we, you know, we still use those things from time to time. We still use that phraseology, but we now invite people to choose to follow Jesus. Right. That's good. And that's been a big part of like, you, you know, the change in language has also caused a change in, I guess, how we measure metrics. We're right. looking for hands raised because we're more looking about going like three months from now. We love to hear those stories where I was in this place three months ago and I decided to follow Jesus. Now I'm yeah. baptized. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. Right, and so since we moved in, um, we like in the first year, like the cool thing was we we actually came in Christmas Eve. Our opening night was Christmas Eve, 2016. Yeah, okay. And so from 2017, we we baptized like 14 people, which for a little town is huge. Yeah, like that's amazing, right? And in 2018, we baptized 30 people. Wow. But but the coolest story of it all is when they stand in front and they'd say, why would you like to be baptized today? And they said, I knew Jesus as a little kid. I went to camp or somebody, my grandma or a friend, or I just met Jesus recently. One kid said, when I was a kid, I gave my heart to Christ, but I only started following him three months ago. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, cool. That's, that's, a re that's really cool. Yeah. To baptize people when they're stepping that direction, right? Discipleship. All right, so 2019, how, how many how many people have you have become Jesus followers uh, that you're aware of you know, this year? Well, you know, I think right now we've said we've baptized, I think, 17 people this year. Yeah, yeah. Just still steady. It's still good. And, and I think you do, you go through seasons, but we would never know how many children, like some of our Thursday night kids outreach, we're running up to, you know, 90 to a hundred kids and workers between kindergarten to grade six. Wow. And, and that's community kids, church kids coming together. They hear the gospel every week and they pray to ask Jesus in their heart. Yeah. And they pray to invite, they, we invite them to follow Christ. But really hard to know what's happening in that context. Yes. Yeah. Only coming Thursday to a community group. Yeah. That's still their group. That's their church. They come every week. Um, youth group. There's kids giving their hearts to Christ there that aren't plugged in yet. But they come every week, and there's sometimes there's up to 75 youth, K to, or grade 7 to 12. Wow. And we have a great team of volunteers who leads that ministry. And um, so saying that, those two things alone are seeing people come to Christ every week at some level. Yeah. Um, on top of that, we like I said, we baptized about 17 people, but every week people would raise their hand and say they're giving their life to Christ. Yeah, so good. Every week we're hearing feedback on that. And sometimes we never see them again. And I, and I wish we could get more people into community. Yeah. Yeah. We all do. Don't we? I mean, we all wish we could, we could, you know, get a hundred percent retention on that because we know uh, what life change that, that brings for us. So t tell me about somebody in your church that, that decided to follow Jesus, whose life was miraculously changed. Maybe, you know, came from a completely unchurched, background somebody you wouldn't suspect uh would become a christ follower I, tell me about uh, about them what and their journey oh you know what i have a really interesting story this one of one of my favorite stories recently comes through our growth track we do um the growth track here in our yeah. uh, at our church and and uh step one is 
come find out about us, see if you want to be a part of things. And I'm finding that in that step one, we had some classes where five people go, oh, baptized? I need to get baptized. Like they'd made a decision to follow Christ, but it come out in it came out in that class. Yeah. They didn't even know what the next step was. Coolest story ever was this guy goes, yeah, I decided to follow Jesus about a month and a half ago. I did some research, decided it was Jesus I was going to follow, had zero kind of context for it, shows up at our church, already had his mind made up to follow Christ, but had zero church connection, zero discipleship connection. Wow. He then goes in the girls' track, exposed that, goes, sure, I'll get baptized. His wife just got baptized um, a couple months later. Yeah. She followed and said, you know, I always had Jesus, but I've just decided to follow him. I want to get baptized. So seeing a husband and a wife and they got two little kids that find us, it's exposed that they're just new or they are just making a step. So, I mean, I would love to say it was because I preached the best sermon ever and, it was <laughs> you know, hands went up all over the room. And yeah. I don't even care if people find them Googling Jesus on the internet. If they show up at our church and we can say, hey, welcome to the family of God. Yeah. We're so glad you came. So good. We, you know, even, even when we were building this building, Back in 2016, we were on the roof uh, sheeting, and one of the guys was working, his nephew was here, and uh, he, he was going through some stuff in his life, and he showed up to volunteer. He wasn't a follower of Jesus. They stopped work and had an altar call right there on the roof, sheeting, a, you know, 40 feet in the air, sheeting a roof system over an auditorium. So even when we were building, salvation was taking place. That's so good. Literally in the sawdust on the roof of this building and, and he got, gave his heart to Christ right there on the roof, volunteering his labor during a build time. So there's been some pretty cool things uh, that have come out of that. That's so good, man. I, I love your heart for, for discipleship and you mentioned growth track. So talk to me about uh, I'm somebody who came into the service. I decided, Hey, I'm going to follow Jesus. I put my hand up and, and now what? Okay. So explain your discipleship plan and, and what growth track is in particular. Yeah, well, I think a lot of churches have a similar thing going on now. They're starting to find this works to be organized and systematic. But what we do is on the first Wednesday of every month, second Wednesday, third Wednesday, and fourth Wednesday, we host four steps in order. Uh, first step is join the tribe. That's yeah. what we call our membership of our church. And it's a spiritual connection, spiritual membership, partnership. But we want people to come to that, hear enough about who we are to be able to make a decision whether they want to be go farther with us. Yeah. Um, it's in that growth track. One of the things about becoming a member of the tribe, you got to be baptized before you can. And a lot of people are like, oh, well, okay, cool. And a lot of the reason that people are actually getting baptized now and moving forward in their walk with Christ and following him as he leads them into water. I always say the first place Jesus leads you is into water. Yeah. Right. Got to follow him through. Right. And uh, a lot of the reason our baptisms have been increasing for a small town, this is quite good baptisms. Um, is because there's people in those growth tracks that are actually having to answer a question. So when you're really informal, you don't ever, you just kind of like just talk in the foyer on Sundays, you can miss these people for five years. Right, right. But if they come to a class and go, I want to be like Jesus, I want to be baptized. You know, so step one is that discovery design. So we want to make sure that people are functioning where they were designed to function. Yeah. A lot of burnout happens in church world because people are doing a job they weren't designed to do. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, we talk about leadership and influence, excellence. Um, the culture is really shifting in for us right now where we're seeing finally our kids ministry, our youth ministry, everybody's kind of playing the same vision. Yeah. Where for a lot of years, small churches, there's 
it's almost like sometimes small churches fall into the trap of doing 50 different things. Yeah. You know, oh, I want to start a men's ministry. I want to start a women's ministry. I want to start a kids ministry, a balloon tying ministry. You know, <laughs> let's go hunting ministry, fishing ministry. Yeah. And people start ministries, and pretty soon you're doing nothing well. And the same thing kind of helps with vision, right? All of a sudden, people are no longer connected to what the vision of the house is, but they've got, they're so busy. So true. Step four is join the team and yeah. we want to get people functioning in, because we, in our church, we use the phrase, we're sandwich makers, not sandwich eaters. <laughs> you can have a sandwich made with exactly the same ingredients, make it yourself or have your wife make you one. When she brings you a sandwich, when you're not expecting it from the same loaf you ate an hour ago, hers tastes way better. And it's because there's just something in generosity that changes the feeling of what's going on in the room. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. I love that. All right. So you, I mean, you're a soul winning church. You're passionate about soul winning, but you're also, I mean, you're spirit filled. Your church is spirit filled. You look to activate, I mean, the power of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But I mean, you're reaching the unchurched and being spirit filled. So talk to me about how you keep it real and avoid the weirdness that sometimes, I mean, the spirit-filled churches can kind of drift into uh, that pushes the unchurched away. I mean, talk to me about what you guys do. Well, it, it, it's language all the way. I actually um, was thinking about this yesterday, talking to some of our other leaders and just saying, what it's like every one of us is language, 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 because yeah. I think perception is so important. Yeah. I was talking with somebody recently. I said, you know, I've seen more people offended or, or scared off of church from like unfriendly ushers yeah. or staff or bad parking uh, experience than or bad kids ministry than I have from people like uh, speaking in tongues. Yeah. You know yeah. What I mean, like it's almost like the, the mystical kind of stuff that they don't know. Yeah. The, they would consider it from the paranormal or the, or the spiritual or the, the like the weird stuff for them that that's not as bad for them as the stuff like the people that you know uh maybe the the packaging that right 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 so a big part of his language um it helps to diffuse the tension when we use proper language and make it simple yeah uh, one of the big calls on our lives here is to demystify pentecostalism yeah all these words that people don't understand nor do they need to you know so true and we call ourselves at our church because we're a small town yeah we call ourselves big table pentecostals so we've got people here who are charismatics yeah. who would say, we believe that some things are gifts and we would, the Pentecostal side would say it's for everyone. Uh, the, we don't even, however you come to the table, just come here. We even have cessationists who were taught, you know, King James only Bible, <laughs> tongues has ceased. It's all over. And we had some, we have some really good friends who, who are now serving in leadership in our church who came from that background, who were told it wasn't to be trusted and they measured it over years. And then eventually they joined us and they said, we, we had to make a decision, either the moving of the spirit. And in this case, it was talking about speaking in tongues is of the devil or it's of God, hmm. but we've known you for a decade and we know that you're led by the spirit and you love Jesus. So we had to decide it's not of the devil because you guys aren't of the devil. Wow. And they've jumped in with both feet into our car. Wow. So I think one of the things we would use as an example would be there was something going around in charismatic churches for years, still does, uh, called a fire tunnel. Yeah, yeah. And we had a visiting minister recently in an evening service that said, we're going to have a fire tunnel. It was great. There was prophetic words, people speaking into people's futures, even calling stuff out that nobody knew but God. Yeah. Fantastic for almost everybody. There was the odd person who was like, where's this in the Bible? Yeah, yeah. And they were really panicked. 
and they were really and mostly Christians who were struggling, right? Yeah. The the pre-believer. But I said, what would it have hurt for us to say, hey, you know what? We're going to make a line up here of people who trust God to do things, and we're just going to call it a prayer line. Yeah. And we're just going to have you come by, and as you go by, they're going to quickly just place their hand on your back, and they're going to just encourage you in prayer, and pray that God's power will touch your life. Right. Now we're no longer trying to explain a word, or a or a mode, or even like uh, I, I think it's kind of like this orthodoxy versus orthopraxy thing. We don't have to stay locked into this like how we do it all the time. We can just demystify that stuff and say, "Listen, we're just going to pray for you." That's so good. I, I love that. I mean, I mean, we as Christians, we we have labels for everything, uh, and 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 we do that as soon as we identify a, a method or methodology and we repeat that methodology. We got to label. We got to come up with a name of it. But the problem with that, I mean, because we're saying, well, we think if we can label it, then then it's easily explainable or or that. But the problem with that is, is that uh, labels get um tarnished and so somebody abuses it and all of a sudden that's what it now what that label means so you know a fire tunnel somebody heard that and just went oh and they cringe because we labeled it a fire tunnel uh, and we're like i've been there i've seen it i've seen it abused and they're like oh I, I don't like that that gets really weird that gets really strange or we can say hey let's just have a lineup of people and just pray and just and give the why behind it and use the language to kind of explain what what's all about like you're explaining it to your kid yeah you love your little one? Hey, this is what God's doing. This is what God, sometimes you have to simplify it so much that you're explaining it to a valued member of your household that doesn't necessarily need to know that all the words. So good. You just need to know what's happening. And so if you can't preach to kids, why are we preaching in our main session? That's so good. I, I love that. Okay, so talking about labels. All right, so are you? what you're saying is it's possible to be spirit-filled, there, there's a label, and at the same time, seeker-sensitive. That, that's another label, right? So it's possible to be spirit-filled and seeker-sensitive at the same time. Absolutely. I feel that one of my strongest callings or like giftings for ministry in my life um, is reminding people that these things are not like way out there. Yeah. Uh, and um, I kind of don't I want, like I said before, demystify the moving of this, like the things that we've called them, um, that we've framed with language. Yeah. To kind of break it down and make it more like um, anybody can do it. You yeah. Know? Almost like the Home Depot thing for church. Yeah. You can do it. We can help. You know, yeah. <laughs> trying to mobilize people and remind people that God wants to work through you. Uh, just you. Mm. you are, how you're wired. Uh, not, he doesn't, he's not trying to make you into something weird or someone else. Right. One of the worst things for a spirit filled church, if you want to call it that, is that we all start to look the same and use the same words and sound the same. And, and it is even worse when you get like church to church to church. That's all sounding the same, looking the same. And we can be careful because we can almost become religious about not being religious. If we're not careful. <laughs> so true. But I just was talking to somebody in our church recently that's come to a place of trusting the spirit of God to move that maybe didn't experience that. In right. Background. I just said, and they're like, if that's it, I want to give the gift back. If that's what the gift of healing is, I don't want it. Mm. God wants to use you exactly how you are wired mm. thing that that person's doing, but they're making you weirded out. Right. Everybody's got a reach. Um, and I don't have the same reach as you Kelly. And, 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 and it's different. It's a different reach and, and you have a different reach than me. Yeah. And that person who works at a grocery store is a different reach than that person's a CEO of a fortune 500. Yeah. All supposed to flow in the gifts. I used to be known as anoint. Like I used to love it when I'd preach people say, you're so anointed. I felt the presence of God. Remember the, back in the day, it was yeah. 
you are so anointed, but now I respond the most to this guy when people walk out and say, thanks for your message today. You're so real. Uh, yeah, exactly. And that's like what I live for now is to have people say like, you made it real. And you know what I'm finding? People are still speaking in tongues. People are still seeing people healed. People yeah. are still, you know, all the, all the charisms of God, all the grace gifts of God are still in operation in the church. And we don't even have to frame it the same way. So good. I mean, isn't that what the Holy Spirit is for? I mean, the Holy Spirit came to 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 empower the church to be witnesses. I mean, it's it's supposed to work together, not not repel. The Holy Spirit didn't come for just us as believers, so that we can practice all his his gifts on ourselves. I mean, he came so to empower us to be witnesses. Jesus said, "Hey, wait until you receive the Holy Spirit." And the moment they did, Peter was out preaching. I, I love that. Well, and like we say that the, in our in our experience, the, the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a changed life. Yeah, absolutely. And we love all the other parts, and those are important theological stands. And, yeah. and people have found reasons why we've learned the way we've learned about the moving and power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But I want power to change. I want so to be good. a better greeter. I want to be a better mom or a better dad. I want to be a better business owner. I want to be more integrity filled. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, want, I want the things that God's doing in my life through his spirit. Even if I've got a gift of healing, I want to be the sweetest healing minister in the world. Mm. I'm a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's so good, man. I, I love that. So how long have you been lead pastor now? So my dad and I actually did a succession Yeah. Uh, in October of 2017. Okay. Before that, I was operating in an executive role for a lot of years, walked through the build of the church really was mostly on my table and, working with staff and and stuff and uh and so he and i just swapped roles he became the senior associate and i became the lead pastor and we're still working together today man so t tell me about that how is that how's that relationship how did that how's that going i think that would take a whole podcast <laughs> i'm sure it would answer but he is one of the most gracious mentors that i could have had in life and um we're completely different in our wiring yeah our gifting is different um we our leadership style is different um but it's been going fine and you know very few successions I actually i don't know where it was from and you're never supposed to quote a stat you don't have the <laughs> record for but i heard recently something like 17 only 17 percent of successions work yeah i read something very similar yeah and and i i would say that after three years we can say if anything goes wrong now it has nothing to do with succession yeah so I think we're in that 17 percentile, which, you know, we give the glory to the Lord for that, for the fact that he's been able to walk us through that. And again, that's 100 percent the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, because it's a hard thing to, to not only hand over leadership, but also to honor the past. Yeah. And so, yeah. So that's so good. So t tell me one thing that that you wish you had known before you started pastoring. I kind of have two answers. Okay. Um, one involves people and one involves time. Okay. <laughs> so I've heard it said that the, the best time to plant a tree is 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, I wish I would have known how important relationships would be. Mm. For the last two years, I've been trying to play catch up. You know, moms need moms, friends to walk through the child raising years. Um, or on today, first day of school for us out here, child raising tears, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or there are tears of joy. I'm not sure which one, um, that the kids are back. Athletes need friends who are athletic, who encourage and challenge and support their endeavors to train and to um, have the same passion. 
And this works for almost every sphere of life. You know, yeah. leaders need leader friends. Pastors need pastor friends. Yeah. I, you know, my first answer is I wish I would have valued um, relationship more when I started in ministry. Mm, that's a really, really good answer. And then time. Talk to me about time. Time. I um I recently read a book called The One Thing by an author named Keller. Yeah. Not the Keller from New York, but the uh, another Keller. And and if you've ever I I don't know if we're doing book recommends on here, but man, there's a couple books that have really been good for me. And but he talks about the one thing. Mm. Really, multitasking is a myth. And you're best when you're doing your one thing. Yeah. And um, I'm really working hard at that, and it's it's working, but it's very hard. And I wish I would have had a bit more dialed in planning, not to be like, oh, yeah, I'll run that, I'll do that, I'll do this, I'll do that, and realize that I've probably slowed down my own personal growth curve because I took on too many things and tried to multitask too much. That is so good. I, that's that's so vital as a pastor. I, I'll just I'll weigh in on that just a little bit, too, because I've I've. 22 years in as a lead pastor and um i've i'm still working on that but the one thing that i've noticed this is this is the crazy trend in pastoring is that is that you narrow that focus and all of a sudden when you narrow that focus you become more effective and because you're more effective everything starts growing at a different rate when everything starts growing the temptation is to add and and to get more complicated and to get busier because while well, it's growing and we they need this and they need that and they need this and pretty soon it plateaus and stops growing because now you're too busy and you're not managing your time properly and you're not as effective and so it begins to plateau so then you get frustrated and you turn into the cycle so man what you what you tapped in as uh for a pastor man that is that is so very true and i would highly recommend uh, one thing is a great book Simple Church is a great book. Uh, it's it's very it's a very similar kind of vein, but just saying, hey, keep it simple, um, keep it focused, and uh, you will become more effective. And when it grows, uh, resist the urge to add to that and get complicated. <laughs> That's so good. Totally, it's kind of like with finances, right? We budget to get out of a hole and to get into get on top of some things. Yeah. As soon as you find like you're on top of the budget, you look to almost. The temptations to step right back into a trap going well i got way more money now yeah exactly yeah i'm good now so <laughs> totally leverage this right so it's like the, the peace you found you're willing to give up in a moment yeah uh we don't want to give up our peace no that's so good all right so what advice would you give to a pastor uh, let's let's speak to a, a specifically a small town pastor who um who wants to see souls saved in in his or her church well we uh let me just, you, 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 I just really think a couple things. You can't harvest what you haven't planted. Mm. So, especially small towns, the it's a fragile garden because everybody knows everybody. Yeah. You, you know, you one of the things I think that damages towns is, is say, people with that have overstayed in a town and they maybe made some mistakes that nobody let them off the hook for because everybody knows them. Yeah. Flip side of that is... Um, constant turnover in small towns because people don't trust easy right right you knew that in your first pastor like there was a lot the locals trust locals yeah. and and um i think at some level the small town guys we can't harvest without planning so we got to know it's going to be a longer process we're not going to wake up one morning and all of a sudden there's 500 people pounding your door down unless something weird happens right yeah and unusual um and the other thing is especially in small towns and i think this goes to everywhere Ministry to children has to be a top three priority. Ooh, that's good. 
because like I tell people, I want to do a challenge for church planters. Mm -hmm. You can rent a school gym for a dodgeball in a school. They won't rent you to host church. Right. They won't maybe have, they maybe have the school board won't give you that facility to have religious services in it, but they'll rent you the gym for like cheap to have dodgeball and maybe have ESL for new immigrants in another room. And you literally need a bag of Nerf balls and a couple volunteers who don't even have to be that far along in their faith. They just need to get a criminal record check and do it. And you can have drop-in gym nights, especially in small towns where when the weather goes sideways and it gets cold, anybody who has that warm room and some Nerf balls has a crowd. <laughs> yeah. we, we actually say we value kids and youth ministry at Oasis City. And we have a bunch of values and statements that we have on our website for people who are checking us out. We value kids and youth. It's about 35 years of dodgeball. Yeah. And, and it's like you faithfully show up and do that. And, and it's simple. And I, I think sometimes we've had this context, this concept that kids go to Sunday school with parents on Sunday morning. Yeah. And all of a sudden they age out of that. And we're like, okay, time to have a youth group. And the youth groups fail because there was no farm system. Oh, yeah. And bring your friends. Yeah. But they never came with their parents. They never brought their friends to church. So we have a kids club that we run exactly like you would run youth outreach youth groups. Good. They yeah. Friends from school on Thursday, they do all those things. So we basically say it's like, it's like the, the junior hockey league or the WHL. And we look at like youth group, like the AHL, they're stepping up. And by the time they get to youth group, 80% of those kids who are aging in and going in grade seven and eight, they're going like, I know what to expect. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. And then they, and they're picking up culture the whole time. They're learning how to invite their friends, invite culture. And um, one night I was actually looking at our, at, I don't know if you've ever done this, but you get in a bad place and you start thinking about all the things you can't do and all the things you aren't able to get done and what you aren't as a person and giftings and all those things. And I was thinking about millennials and there were so many cool, I, I get caught on Instagram watching like really cool church and all these people <laughs> posting their stories and they're like amazing churches, yeah, lights, camera action, the whole thing. And I was actually sitting in my hot tub having a prayer time. And the Lord whispered, I feel, in my ear. He said, um, if you want to reach millennials, and I'm like waiting, like, yeah, like like a barn board wood background on my church, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> or, uh, you know, more coffee and mustaches or something. Like, what do I do? Right? And, uh, and he says, if you want to reach millennials, reach their children, they're having them now. Yes, that's good. And so what we're finding is that you think about a person that you love their kids, Mm. they're going to love you back and they're going to trust you more. And if you care for their family from their kids perspective, there's going to be a bridge built. And so we're believing that that 35, 40 years of kids outreach is going to turn this place into 2000 people. Yeah, that is so good, man. That is so good. And, and not talked about very often at, at the, at the senior pastor level. We, I mean, the kids ministry is often, it's looked at as as the extra or that's what we take care of our kids or yeah we have kids ministry but to make it a priority like you're making it man that is that is so uh, uh, amazing I, i've got a friend uh we just um uh, we just had him here in our church and he was for the longest time he ran an orphanage in in thailand just him and his wife moved there nothing moved into into thailand ended up adopting 32 kids i think in, into their into their home into their orphanage raised these 32 kids here we are now 35 years later just I mean, it's interesting you said 35 but 35 years later and he's now planted churches in 11 nations around asia and has thousands and thousands of people coming to church because he invested in 32 children i just got goosebumps from that man yeah isn't that amazing 
takes a lot to get my arms going. <laughs> isn't that isn't that cool? Because because you invested in kids. So, I mean, that is such that is such a, a big key. And you invest in kids. You go get the kids. You bring the to, to church. Uh, you put on activities for them. You invest in that. That is, yeah, I mean, that is amazing. That's so good, man. This has been so good. Our time has flown uh, already. It's been it's been amazing. But is there anything that I should have asked that I that I didn't? You know what? I, I, I think you've been pretty thorough, um, but I just want to, you know, maybe say there's been a bit of an inspiration for me. And I kind of was thinking about the concept of who's inspired me as a soul winning church. Yeah. Who's been our inspiration. And it was really hard. I, I right away, I thought Lakewood, you know, like, yeah, man, that guy leads a lot of people to Jesus. <laughs> like, and then I was like, okay, no, but maybe not him. Just got to smile more. Just oh, totally. <laughs> uh, but God, you know, the concept of, any church that is existing, this is who inspires me. Any church that is existing for the community and not just the people who are already believers. That's so good. You know, whether that's through next gen or maybe reaching new immigrants to Canada or, you know, some small town, small churches, I believe. And this is something I'm praying for your listeners. Yeah. There are some small town, small church context people that are going to become extremely fertile in this next season. Mm. Um by becoming creative with how they reach their communities, being able to pivot and being able, being creative. Um, and they don't always have to, you know, those things don't always make my Instagram feed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but they're important. You know, uh, growing mega churches, they excite me. They get me excited. But growing churches in small Canadian towns with uh, limited resource and limited populations inspire me. Yeah. Because we're a small town church and we, we know what those limits are and, um, in the past three years, Lindsay and I have been so inspired by getting to know people at the art conferences. There's like this sense of urgency for the lost, yeah. as well as we were just at team church. And I'm telling you, it felt like we had find out, found our tribe. Yeah. But the inspiring people are the ones in the small town Canadian church that are still going and, and saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'll do anything if it will help me reach one more person in my town. That is so good. Really, I, we, we have a couple of our campuses are in, in small, small towns. Uh, and one of the things that I tell our campus pastors all the time is, Hey, don't, don't view, don't pastor the church, pastor the community, right? Cause I mean, the, if you just focus on the church, you're focused on the wrong thing, focus on the community, really pastor the community. And this, that's such a, such a good point. Um, man, I, I know there's a lot of small town, uh, pastors that, that are listening and if, and, and other pastors and leaders that are listening and are loving what you're saying. So if they wanted to connect with you, where would the, our listeners connect with you online? Yeah, I, I think probably on Instagram at Friday's Cry B. Yeah, uh, I'm on there. And uh, even, you know, at our church website, oasiscity.ca, they can hook up on the website there. Um, it will get to me and uh, somebody will will make sure that I get a hold of whoever contacts. Yeah, perfect. Uh, you know, thank you very much for this awesome opportunity to share what's going on on the island here. Yeah, thanks so much, Brandon, for being on there, man. It is it has been such a pleasure to have you, and uh, so good to see you again, my friend. Excited what's going on in Duncan and in Oasis City, and uh, the best is yet to come, my friend. It's going to be awesome. Oh, come on, I'm so glad we got to reconnect. It felt like you know, after all this time, it's like look at that. It's the Lord's still up to good things with us. So yeah, so cool. Get to reconnect with you. All right, thanks again, Brandon. Bless you, man. Yeah, take care. What another great conversation with Pastor Brandon Wall. Hope you enjoyed that. Man, what was your your takeaway? Very simple statement. He said, uh, he said, there's nothing more beautiful on planet Earth than a healthy growing 
church. And until you're actually, you know, inside and part of a healthy growing church, you don't really see that. But when you start to see life change after life change after life change and longevity and people coming back and inviting, it's, it's an awesome thing to see. I like that he said there's nothing more beautiful and didn't say there's nothing easier. Yeah. Because <laughs> <Right? laughs> it's, it's not, it's not no, easy. Not at all. But there really isn't. As he said that, I was like, man, it's so true. There, is, there really isn't anything more beautiful than a healthy, growing church. And that's yeah. supposed to be normal. And that's what, I mean, that's why we do what we do. But yeah. anytime you feel discouraged or you feel like this is, this is too hard or, you know, all of that, then you see a life change. And you're like, man, this is why we do what we do. So good. And it's awesome. But I love the statement that he said, where you, you're not going to harvest what you don't plant. Yeah. And yeah. where, you, and you have to, in order to reap a harvest, you have to be able to plant. And I, I love that idea. And I think, man, that it's so true that if we're looking for a harvest somewhere, whether it's in souls, we have to plant seed, whether it's in whatever it might be that we need, whatever we're believing God for, we have to be able to plant the seeds there too. So yeah. another great conversation with GoCast, man. I love these conversations. Where can people connect with us? <laughs> yeah, for Go sure. Cast. We are all over the social map. So uh, if you type in GoCast into YouTube, into iTunes, into Spotify, you're definitely going to find us. Awesome. Awesome. And you can also join with us in a conversation with Facebook or in Instagram. We would love to have a conversation with you and keep the conversation going. In our next episode, I'm having a conversation with my friend, Pastor Sam Pickin, who is a pastor that planted a church in downtown Toronto, one of the most difficult cities in all of Canada to plant a church in. And not only did they plant there, but they are having booming success in downtown Toronto. So here is an excerpt from my conversation with Pastor Sam Pickin. Better, but I also learned that what he wanted to do, his strategy was team. He wanted mm. to grow the church through volunteerism. And and if we went to that other place, the workload would have been less. And he taught me that work isn't bad. Wow. I was making every excuse for the team and being like, man, we've got to get all the T's crossed, all the I's dotted. I'll do all the work so they don't have to. And it wasn't God's way. God's way was, no, I want people to set up chairs. I want people to set up an auditorium because it gives them something to do. It like it helps their character get developed. And, and it was God's plan all along that, that it had nothing to do with the venue. It was more about that strategy of volunteerism and involvement. I can't wait for next week's episode with Pastor Sam Pickin. You're going to love that conversation. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of GoCast. We hope you feel inspired and better equipped to take your community for Christ. Make sure to subscribe to receive each new episode as it's released. Let's go and break the stat together.